0: Hi there, everyone. Today's episode is going to be about this weekend's game, and then we have our weekly three-up and three-down segment. We've got a lot to say today, so make sure you stick around for this episode of Locked On Canadians. For Locked On
1: Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Everyone and welcome to episode five hundred and eighty-one of Locked On Canadians. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick. I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlin. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts and this weekend it wasn't about where the games started it was about where the games (laughs) finished scott how are you doing after this weekend we both had to catch up on the games uh we both missed the games you were away i was also kind of away um how are you doing after this weekend's games
1: I, so being at a wedding when the Canadians and Leafs are playing is a lot of trying to look at your phone when you're not doing wedding things and trying to not laugh hysterically at inopportune times. And because I was in the Midwest, so I'm back an hour. So I'm getting all these updates, you know, in the middle of like dinner and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, this is happening again. And it's still hilarious. Like my girlfriend asked me why I'm laughing at Uh, the dinner table in between dances, and I'm like, oh, I could try to explain it, but I don't have three hours about why Toronto putting up 51 shots and losing to the last place Canadians is the funniest thing on the face of this earth. So, not bad. Not a bad bad Saturday overall, I should say.
0: So, if I wanted to describe the Leafs in one sentence, it would be good team that finds increasingly hilarious ways to lose to the Montreal Canadiens. Now, whether you want to say they were a team that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs last year, or you want to say they're the bottom-ranked team, either one works. Both of them beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I have to say something, though, and I know this is probably not the experience of those of us who are too smart to be on the internet, but I am starting to dread the Montreal Canadiens and Leafs playing ever ever since it was 3-1 even before that the discourse between the fan bases has been ridiculous and i am sick of seeing both the Habs fans think that something wouldn't be a penalty if it was called on the Leafs and vice versa I think that incompetence in officiating goes both ways. I don't think that the, that the officials or the league prefer one over the other. I truly don't. I know people think that there's conspiracies and they want Toronto to win or they want the Habs to win and the Habs are story, but I don't think there's anything like that. I just truly believe that these are two hockey teams that are subject to the same flawed officiating and flawed league rules And for whatever reason, the fan bases just lose their minds. I do have to say, it's quite satisfying seeing Toronto Maple Leafs fans having paid a lot of money to be at the Bell Centre right (laughs) up against the glass (laughs) to watch their team have 51 shots and be down and lose 4-2, not including a disallowed goal. So really, the Canadians had 18 shots. And scored five goals on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, our friend Ian Boisvert of the Build podcast, subscribe to the Build, guys. Uh, he said there's only one team in the league that finds a way to lose a game like that, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I do want to say, I don't want to focus so much on the, on the Leafs. What are the good things that you saw from the Habs against that Leafs game? Where they only, admittedly, only put up 18 shots against 51. But there was, there were some bright spots, I would say.
1: I think the biggest thing in that game is that Jake Allen should have been on somebody's buy list at the trade deadline. Uh, Jake Allen's been amazing since he's come back, win or lose. And I don't know how if you're a team like Edmonton or quite frankly, Toronto, that you're not looking at that performance and going, Oh, we might have screwed this up a little bit. And I think that's impressive. And then Paul Byron has remained really, really good since also coming back from injury. He's the perfect bottom six complement for this team here. And I'm really happy with seeing what they did there. It's like, it's just tough. Toronto's a machine of a team when they're all running. The only issue is they are a machine that is also very easily derailed. And confidence is is a hard thing to come by when you're a team that is, I I don't want to say haunted, but you're haunted by so many uh past failures and other things that <laughs> sorry you, you can't help but <laughs> overthink it you're out there hammering this canadians team with shots and their goalie isn't breaking and you look at everyone on that bench you got you got to imagine they're going it's just game 6 overtime all over again where they had a 16 to 2 shot advantage and then they lost toronto by all accounts should have run montreal out of that building and we're going to touch on this when we talk about the Devils game in our next segment. But this Canadians team is more bend, don't break than fall apart at the slightest inconvenience that it was earlier in the year. And I think that's the biggest thing going forward right now. Cole Caulfield's amazing. Paul Byron's been great. David Savard had a really nice goal there. And you know what? Sometimes it's the unexpected contributions that help, especially in a season like this. You take goals wherever you can get them.
0: Yeah, I do want to say that the, the players that you expect to be good against the Leafs were good. Overall, as a team, they are struggling on defense, mostly because they don't have a whole lot of defensemen, really. And the people that they've got, you know, it was William Laguson's first game, and then tonight it was Justin Barron's first game. Um, the the d- defense doesn't really have an identity right now, because a lot of them are coming back from injury after a long period out, Right. And they lost, obviously, two of their important pillars in, in in on the on the defensive end, right? So, like, David Zafard hadn't played for weeks and weeks and weeks. He came back. Joel Edmondson hadn't played for the entire season up until a couple of games ago, and he came back. So there's a little bit, and there's new guys being inserted into the lineup, being switched out. Corey Shuneman is up and down. They're trying out new people. I do think that there's definitely a disconnect there, but it's not one of those things where I feel like it's fatal. You know, I'm looking at this team, and I'm like – This is a black hole and it's not going to be fixed. You know that the defense is going to look a little bit different next year. And you also know that there's going to be more time for the existing guys, the people who will start the year in Montreal, to have time to gel together and become a more cohesive unit. So I'm not super worried. But either way, I did think that... Uh, the, the forwards mm-hmm. were good, right? Nick, Nick Suzuki was fantastic. Uh, I thought Cole Caulfield obviously celebrating his goal in the face of a Leafs fan. That was wonderful. Um, and, and, and the no-quit part, right? Like we keep talking about the no-quit Canadians. That is, to me, an ultimate highlight of the team. So I, I don't want to dwell too much about on the Leafs game because we're, we are running out of time in this segment. We're going to turn over to the New Jersey game and then at the end of the show, that is our favourite segment of Monday. It is our three up and three down. And we've got a lot to say. I've got some opinions um, that are coming up and that's all coming up in just one moment but first we want to remind you all about Built Bar our favorite sponsor we love them they are a Bilt Bar that tastes just like a candy bar they're delicious they're very high in protein they're very low in sugar they're low in calorie if you care about that and they're all delicious they're made with real chocolate if you need energy like I use them on weekdays as breakfast in the morning because I have a really hectic life and I don't want to go through the day without energy sometimes I'll use them as a midday pick-me-up uh, if I'm if I'm having a busy day running errands running around Scott will use them for hiking and they're really just they're fantastic they're so full of protein they'll keep you full for a while they'll give you the energy for your workouts or you can have them after a workout and like I said they've got 18 delicious flavors and every couple of days they're coming Coming up with a fun new flavor, and, uh, and, and, and you'll find them all on the website. That's built.com and you can try them uh, for 15% off if you enter promo code LOCKED15. Once again, go to built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Now we're going to turn our attention to the game against the New Jersey Devils and that was an interesting game because it was bottom feeder team against bottom feeder team and it looked very much like the Seattle Kraken game a few weeks ago and went almost just as long uh but once again the no quit Canadians were at play what kinds of things stood out to you Scott about that New Jersey game
1: I'm actually on natural stat trick in the background right now. So if anyone sees my eyes kind of scanning away from the camera, I'm looking at uh, just some time on ice and some uh, basic possession numbers. And it confirms what I saw is that Alexander Romanov played a lot tonight. He played a lot against Toronto. He was the leader in all situations ice time at 24 minutes. The next closest defenseman was at 22 and three quarters with David Savard. And behind him was Rem Pitlick and Nick Suzuki. And we're seeing Martin St. Louis kind of, give some of these guys you know some runway. Justin Barron played almost 18 minutes tonight in his debut at, in and Austin.
0: started overtime.
1: He got three overtime shifts and that and we said it jokingly in, in the eyes on the prize slack is that Dominique Ducharme would have never he would have started likely Chris Wideman and then maybe gone to Schuneman or Romanov. But like it, it's a new thing and I think that's the biggest thing is that he's giving guys you know runway to do what they can. Like Mike Hoffman, as frustrating as he is, led the team in, you know, Corsi 4 percentage tonight. He He's a maddening player because he's so talented, but Martin St. Louis is giving people the ice time they deserve based on what they're doing out there. Don't think I would like to see, I would have liked to see more of Jesse Alonan out on the ice in this game here. I think he has uh, the skill set that Uh, It set up Josh Anderson's goal, but he has a skill set that can definitely break this game open with his speed and his ability to make plays out of nothing. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what they do this week. It's not an easy schedule ahead for them. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity here for them to build on. It's a shootout loss. It sucks because it was right there and then it's a shootout and it's a coin flip, whatever. But, you know, it's good for the tank.
0: It is good for the tank. And so there are a couple of things that I did want to talk about. And we are going to obviously elaborate a little bit more in our three up and three down segment. I did like what Martin Sanlui did in that he wanted to give the new guy a try and see just what he can do, right? There's been a little bit of debate as to what he really brings. Is he more physical? Uh, is he more? Can he move the puck? Can he contribute to the offense? Can he... You know, like, he's a highly touted prospect in the Avs organization, and then he's come over to Montreal for a player that is widely beloved, or was widely beloved, and was part of one of the biggest moments in Montreal, and he's got, you know, there's a lot of expectation when you give up a player that you know is really difficult to replace, and you get somebody who, like, Avs fans are sorry to see go, but also they're so deep that he wasn't going to crack the lineup right now. And it wasn't probably wasn't going to be the best for him. So I like that Martin St-Louis was like, all right, give it and let's see, let's see how it is. And you know, as time went on, It seemed like the coach had more confidence in the player, and then that in turn gave the player a lot more confidence. I don't want to dwell too much on the negative because we are trying not to be one of those shows where we complain too much. But I didn't think that Mike Hoffman had a great game, Uh, and this was even before that that you know that fake not fake celebration. He thought it was a goal. That's it's not the first time that happens to a player, but I think in context of the game, people didn't really like what he how he had played up until that point. They didn't love it, and so. For me, I personally think that he didn't have a great game and he didn't help himself all that much by with that gratuitous sort of not gratuitous, um, that I would say careless, maybe like it's make unfortunate,
1: sure. like unfortunate. it's in, it's great, you know, and the and, thing he, and is, he
0: like redeems that game that he had, right?
1: Yeah, and the thing about it is, I look at Mike Hoffman and I go. He he's this eye test versus what the numbers say kind of guy. We've talked about it a lot on the show is that how do you marry what that looks like they're doing out there and what is actually happening? And he had, you know, six individual scoring chances. The only one who had more was Cole Caulfield who had eight, like he's doing what he's out there to do. But when the results aren't there for a player like Mike Hoffman, who is known for doing
0: one thing, sc- Yeah.
1: It's so hard for fans to like, there's a microscope on it and I get it. I'm frustrated with Mike Hoffman a lot too, because you can see that he is so insanely talented and he's good at what he does. But when the puck isn't going in, it stands out like a sore thumb. You know, we can see the puck doesn't go in for like and great, but he also does X, Y, and Z. Same with Nick Suzuki or whoever happens with Josh Anderson. The puck's not going in and everybody immediately puts a target on your back. He needs to be, I think, a little less selfish with the puck, and I think that would help a lot. There's something there. I don't know if that's going to be here beyond this season, but there's a player there that's useful, and Martin St. Louis is getting good results out of him. It's just something – it doesn't feel like a right fit, and you can tell he's getting frustrated. I think he expects more out of himself this season, and I'm not one to dump on a guy who's probably his hardest critic, but it's like, man – you're getting paid a lot of money. I know by a GM who is no longer here. Find a way. No, you know how to make this work. You've been on enough teams. So I I'm really curious to see if he comes out, you know, like a house of fire in the next one, or if he kind of, you know, sulks a little bit like that. Um, the numbers uh, possession wise are, they're not great. Uh, the Canadians didn't have a great game, especially late trying to clear their zones and everything. Um, I don't think they look as bad as some of these are, but it's definitely not their cleanest game. And like you said, they're coming off a back-to-back in an emotional game where they got beat up against Toronto a little bit, and then it was just a slog. This game was not pretty at all. Overtime was great. The other three periods and everything were just, it looked like two bad teams playing a hockey game in New Jersey tonight
0: absolutely right and so one thing that I want to say and I'm sure it's going to come up in our three up and three down at least I'm planning to mention him is Rem Pitlick um obviously he is shooting or he's scoring above average right now his shooting percentages are kind of way up there but I think that he's still being useful to the team in every possible way that he can under his ability right like I have a hard time seeing him ever Uh, back down, quit, anything like that. Like It truly feels to me like he is on all the time. He's on, he's dialed in, he's focused. When he makes a mistake, it was because he was trying to do something good. So I can't find fault with him really. And obviously he ended up being the hero that tied the game, that pushed it into overtime. I'm very happy with him right now. But I do think that even when his game regresses, he's still going to be useful offensively. I, I find that he needs to be sheltered a little bit defensively. But I think, you know, at this this late in this season, we know that the team might look drastically different next season. So I don't think I want to worry about it too much, but I did want to mention another positive in that game. Uh, and Samuel montambo a little bit inconsistent within the game, but overall I thought he did a good job. There were some really good highlight reel saves. And I feel like this is kind of the case with, with montambo is that there's a lot of highlight reel saves and there's like one or two goals where you're like, how did you let that happen? You know, basic like like I could have stopped that. I can't stop. I can't skate, so I can't be upright on my skate, so I can't do it. But maybe Scott, you could have stopped that.
1: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not a very good goalie anymore, so.
0: Um... <laughs> and so, I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say about the game. And coming up in just one moment, it's our Monday segment: three up and three down. We have some thoughts. All right, Scott, just before we start with our three up and three down, I just want to say one thing. Uh, we've said it before on the show. I'm going to continue to say it. We have a zero tolerance policy on people being jerks to us. You're allowed to critique us in a way that is not uncomfortable, rude, mean, cruel, misogynistic. If you have an issue, you're welcome to express it in the comments, in the emails, on Twitter. You have to be nice to us. I am not going to take any more people scrutinizing me for every moment of the show looking for a mistake that I make or anything like that. Anybody who has any kind of misogynist takes on me I'm not interested in hearing them, and you will not be allowed to comment on our show. You'll not. We'll just block you on the YouTube. We'll block you on the Twitter. We will block you from our emails. Zero tolerance. You get one strike, and you're out. We have so many amazing listeners. Like 99% of people will give us show ideas. They'll ask us questions. They'll challenge us on our opinions. They will give us topic ideas. They'll ask for guests. We love that. They'll comment on the guests, too. They'll say, this was interesting. Bring this person back. We love that and you don't have to be praising us all the time. That's not what I'm asking for. It's not about compliments. If you enjoy the show, we love hearing it. If you didn't enjoy a particular topic, you can tell us that, and You can say, you know, this topic didn't really interest me. And if a lot of people are interested in it, we might revisit it. If not, we won't. We like to cater to our listeners, but there is zero, 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 zero tolerance for you making us uncomfortable and also being creepy in my Instagram. That as well. (laughs) So, I said this once, it's going to have to come up multiple times as more people start listening to the show, but I will block you, Scott will block you, we will ask you, we will make you go away. Um, And so if you want to comment, please feel free. For those of you who have positively and nicely critiqued me, I changed my mic today. I don't know if it's helping with the YouTube delay issue. Please let us know if it it improved anything. If not, I'm going to go back to my old mic and and it's back to the drawing board. All right. That actually is going to be one of my downs, is people being jerks um my next down is going to be the Habs Leafs matchup is not fun anymore
1: yeah part of me that goes along with this is there's a couple of things that I I am guilty of engaging in the the trolling and whatnot and I need to be a better person than that sometimes it's lighthearted fun and then someone gets really mad that I called them a dork and my (laughs) mentions are a fire all night so uh
0: we're talking about the Leafs fans now, not the commenters. <laughs> oh, not, yeah. not no. calling commenters dorks.
1: No. Uh, none trust of our me.
0: fans, none of our listeners are being called dorks. <laughs> at
1: least not at this point in time anyway. <laughs> um, it, it, the whole matchup itself, like Toronto, the Toronto fan base, and I think every fan base is guilty of this in some way, shape, or form. This is not a thing that is unique to them. It's just the one that we've dealt with the most because of the Canadian division last year in the playoffs and whatnot there's such a very fine line between ha And all of a sudden there's just a brigade of angry people and it's, it's not fun. Like there's trash talk. It's a rivalry. Like that's how it's supposed to be. And yes, you don't always have to deal with the dumbest or the worst parts of a fan base, but no one should be subjected to online abuse repeatedly. That's not fun. And I, I suppose my one thing that I want to touch on the game that I didn't get to in the first second that I'll count this as my down is that the NHL has an officiating problem. It is not just against the Leafs in that they are just bad at their jobs overall. And at certain things, yes, Austin Matthews should probably draw more penalties. But at the same time, every little thing that does not go his way is not a penalty. And it's infuriating to watch this narrative pop up. It happened in the Arizona game where he got held a little bit and then just stopped skating, expecting to get a call Uh, against Montreal. I believe he ran into Paul Byron and then that play went the other way and Byron scored the goal and he just wasn't in the play. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't just expect to get a penalty. And I think with the uh, public nature of him going after the officials, it's never going to be a good thing. The NHL officiating is just bad across the board. It is not a personal thing. They're just not very good at their jobs. And it being treated like Austin Matthews is some kind of pariah is just the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, he should draw more penalties, but everything that happens to him is not always a penalty.
0: I agree with that. And also, you got to note, he's two goals away from scoring 50 on the year, and he was suspended and injured. So he's having a pretty great year. It's fine um and so i think that's that's another narrative and and part of that leafs habs matchup as well is that people it used to be fun because you used to be able to make fun of each other's teams and now you say one thing that is completely innocuous and it blows up and people start harassing each other and it gets really really uncomfortable so can everybody just calm down and have fun with this rivalry can everybody just allow a joke at the other team's expense without turning it into an international incident. And so that's that. So we've got two downs at this point. Uh, my, I have to say, I, I'm not happy with my Hoffman's game. We talked about it in the previous segment, but that's my third down for this week. What about you, Scott? I, I
1: think I'm going to put it in there just because I, it's frustrating because it's like, I know how good he is and we know how good he is. And then it, it's just not there. And it, it's kind of like Samuel Montembeau and everything earlier in the year. It's like they're trying, but it's not working. And when it doesn't work well in his case, like we talked about in our previous segment, you stand You got to bring more. You got to bring more. You got to do something else. So, or you got to figure out a way to do the thing that you're good at. So, exactly. simple as
0: that. Uh, one of my ups this week, uh, we talked about in the previous segment as well, Rem Pitlick, a great addition to this team. Um, and that was a very smart pickup on the waiver wire, I got to admit. Uh, very impressed with this game. Very happy with this game. Uh, very, you know, um, I think uh, I'm excited about what he's going to continue to bring. And I hope he sticks around. I, ho- I hope they keep him because he's a low-cost, uh, high-value player at this point in time. It might not play out for the entire for his entire career. But from what I'm seeing right now, there's a lot of promise. Uh, another plus that we haven't even talked about, which we will talk about in our next show, Jordan Harris got signed that that's one of our ups. So, you know, great job by the front office to mend that relationship because it was a pre-existing relationship already. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, I, I, I'll say this, uh, since people are going to listen to this on Monday, when we record Monday night, we'll do a quick segment on who's doing what at the NCAA tournament, kind of get people up to up to snuff on that and give everyone kind of a quick overview on that because a lot of games, a lot of information happening out there this weekend. And, uh, I I suppose one of my ups is I want to talk about both goaltenders. Uh, Jake Allen, we talked about, was the reason the Canadians beat the Leafs on Saturday. And Samuel Montembeau, after his early error where he gave Jack Hughes an assist on that goal, I thought he settled in really well. The shootout's a coin flip. I thought uh, Montembeau was very good after his early gaffe, which is, you know, his usual style of play there. Uh, I know that they lost, but at the same time, I'd be remiss that he played really well, considering Allen's been getting... The majority of the starts now and it's he's playing through what we believe is a wrist injury even if it's just minor I think he's been really good when called upon in that he's not going to be a 950 every night goalie but he's doing just enough that you know what it's perfect for this season then we'll figure out where we're at in the offseason but uh both Allen and Montembeau get an up for me this week
0: absolutely uh I also just want to say Jake Allen since he's been back even in the losses has played phenomenally I can't think of a bad game that he's had he's had a couple of rough rough goals but I think he's, he's played it's been phenomenal uh, and Scott who is your last up for this week
1: uh I suppose uh I suppose Cole Caulfield's going to get in there again. Uh he played he played well against the Devils in that he was doing things. I noticed him when he was carrying the puck and off the puck, which is how he differs a little bit from Hoffman. And then obviously against Toronto, he was phenomenal. He scored in the shootout tonight. Uh he he's on the up list until he stops basically improving down, every week <laughs> yeah burning down Dominique Ducharme's coaching career after he's already been fired like there was another graphic tonight I posted it on Twitter and I just went, I'm mad again I shouldn't be but I am so yes we are uh, gonna uh, move on <laughs> we are we will move on eventually at, eventually. at some point <laughs> when so, like
0: when when uh what's his face uh the, the the Detroit Red Wing who's gonna win the Calder uh, uh
1: Moritz Seider
0: when he wins after we, we we process that, we will move on from the Ducharme <laughs> era. The, and then we start the, being... the Cole
1: Caulfield for Rocket Richard one. That's that's just how this is going to work. So. <laughs> there
0: we go. Uh, and we're going to be obnoxious. But no, I think that Cole Caulfield, even though he is one of the best players on this team, is improving every week. You see his maturity grow. You see his dedication grow. You see his excitement on his face. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if Nick Suzuki's is always going to be on the same line as he is. But I strongly feel the more games go on with those two players is that you can put either of them with anyone else and they'll still produce maybe not as much chemistry or as much, it it looks like telepathy on the ice, doesn't it? uh when they play together it might not be that much but they'll still produce and be effective with other line mates and that makes me really confident and really happy so that is the note we are going to end the show on confident happy you can find this show wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube you can also find us on twitter at lo underscore canadians i'm on twitter at the Active Sticks. Scott is at Scott Matla. As we said, don't be jerks to us. We'll just block you. And there are so many good shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, particularly on the Locked On NHL channel, um, that we don't we never know which one to, to plug, but always check out Locked On NHL and check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. They've been killing it lately. And we will talk to you tomorrow.